Hello and welcome to Zavia podcast. I'm Brinda Darasha and today I'm talking to Ethiopia's Tafara, Vice President, Chief Risk, Legal and Sustainability Officer for World Bank's Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agency, also known as MIGA. Ethiopia joined MIGA in September 2019 and is responsible for the supervision and oversight of MIGA's Finance and Risk Management Group, the Economics and Sustainability Group and the Legal Affairs and Claims Group. He also oversees mega partnerships with an aim to leverage strategic alliances and promote greater investment flows into emerging markets. Ethiopus, welcome. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what Mega does to promote investment flows into emerging markets? Mega is an agency that provides guarantees and insurance against political risks that's the reason we're created uh there's a perception frequently on the part of investors that there are political risks that they want to avoid when they make an investment indeed it keeps them from making investments on a cross border basis into developing countries what are these risks war and civil disturbance is one of the risks that we cover we cover expropriation and we cover what we call transfer and convertibility risk this is the inability to convert money into hard currency and to actually get it out of the country. Uh and the fourth cover uh is what we call breach of contract. Frequently investors have a contract with the government. Uh there's a concern that the government will breach that contract and an interest in getting uh some insurance against uh such a breach. We also provide uh, and this is a recent um recent product of ours. We provide um trade financing uh guarantees. So these are guarantees we provide to allow for state-owned banks to actually import uh necessary goods goods into the country. Um and then we have one final instrument uh what we call the non-honoring instrument and this is frequently a cover we provide uh for loans that are made to state-owned enterprises. Uh and we'll cover the failure to meet the obligation to pay back that loan. Uh so these are the kinds of risks that investors are concerned about and these are the kinds of risks we cover in the interest of uh, increasing the flow of money into developing countries. So how long have you been uh, has Mega been doing this? We've been around for 35 years. Um we're the youngest of the three um biggest parts of the World Bank group um and uh really primarily created to facilitate and encourage more investment on a cross-border basis. In what sectors do you provide these guarantees mainly? So we have both a thematic perspective we bring to our investments as well as looking at investments on a sector by sector basis. So from a thematic standpoint, we've been very much focused on trying to promote investment into the poorest countries in the world. Um what we call the LICs or uh low-income uh, countries. Uh we also from a thematic standpoint have been looking to promote more investment into fragile and conflict affected uh countries. Uh we've been very focused on gender inclusion um and very focused on climate finance. So thematically that's what we've been focused on, but from a sectoral standpoint, we work in extractives and energy. Um we work in what we call manufacturing, agriculture and services. uh we work with uh financial institutions and then of course uh where we have most of our portfolio is in the infrastructure in the infrastructure sector. Okay. 
how does Mega decide to say yay or nay to underwriting a project? What is your due diligence process? So we have what I call a triple bottom line, uh, and we just added another uh, line to the bottom. Uh, we have the requirement that everything that we guarantee be financially sustainable, right? that it be financially viable. But we also want to be sure that every project we support is, is environmentally and socially uh, sustainable. Uh, we're very much focused on making sure each project has development impact. Uh, that is really our reason for being a raison d'être. And as of late, uh, we are also focused on making sure that all of our projects are Paris aligned. In other words, the projects can add GHG emissions uh, to uh, what the country is um, emitting uh, in terms of GHGs already. And every project has to be climate resilient, so adapted to climate change. What countries in the Middle East and North Africa are you currently active in? And what are the projects that you're associated with? So across the region, we are um, active in, in, in 10 countries. Um, and we have a sizable portfolio um, in uh, Oman. We have a sizable portfolio in Jordan. We have a sizable portfolio uh, in Egypt. Um, but we're looking to be active throughout the region um, and not limiting ourselves to any one country. Uh, again, you know, focused on the sectors that I mentioned. Um, but to give you a sense, our portfolio in Oman is about 1.6 billion. Uh, in Egypt, it's just south of uh, half a billion. In Jordan, it's just north of half a billion. Uh, and overall, it's about 3.6 billion. We're looking at adding to our portfolio. We're uh, looking at opportunities in, in a number of the countries that I mentioned. So we were just recently in Jordan and had an event there where we looked at uh, with our clients and potential uh, projects to invest in. Um, again, Egypt is a, is a major destination for us and, and our investors. Uh, Iraq, uh, again, picking up on this theme of fragile and conflict affected states, uh, we see opportunities to actually support particularly uh, energy projects there, but infrastructure projects as well. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at uh, North Africa as well, we have uh, opportunities in Morocco that we've pursued, uh, additional ones that we're pursuing uh, going forward. Um, and uh, I think that covers pretty much uh, the, the, uh, the range of countries where we're active now. Again, in all sectors, we're not limiting ourselves to any one particular sector. Uh, a lot of what we've done has been in the infrastructure space. Um, uh, whether, whether it's water, um, wastewater treatment, uh, we've done some transport, um, uh, telecoms, and we have a huge, we supported a huge, uh, solar power, uh, park in, um, in Egypt, the Benban Park. Uh, again, one of, uh, one of our major, uh, major investments or major supports of investment. What about guarantees for projects being financed under Islamic financing structures? Are there any, in fact? So we are able uh, to provide support to uh, projects that are um, uh, supported by, uh, by Islamic finance. Um, and indeed, we have experience with uh, providing uh, guarantees against uh, Islamic finance structures uh, in Indonesia. Uh, we've done this in um, We've done this in a couple of other countries as well, in addition to that, in, in Pakistan, uh, additionally. And we think it's actually one of the parts of our value proposition in the region 
is being able to support uh, um, investments or projects that have Islamic finance as part of the structuring. Uh, and recently, the World Bank Group has actually issued a report uh, looking at Islamic finance and PPP projects, which we, we look to uh, as part of our thinking in support of, uh, of, uh, of these kinds of projects. Uh, and we think, you know, in the region, this is something that's really part of our value, our value add. And investors would find that more attractive. For, well, for those who want to actually invest in accordance to Islamic finance, obviously, they'd be quite keen to have us be able to support uh, those kinds of investments. And there are a number of investors in the regions for whom uh, that sort of financing is key. Let's talk about the challenges. What is the challenge in bringing FDI to, say, the more unstable uh, regions of the world? Uh, the challenges. The challenges are generally around um, the bankability of projects, um, number of projects which governments would like to see financed with uh, private capital and private investment, but the allocation of risks and benefits in those projects uh, haven't achieved the balance that investors would be seeking. Uh, the other challenge frequently has to do with the capacity of the government to actually put these projects together. So it's about the capacity issue as well as a, a bankability issue. But those are two of the more challenging elements of providing support uh, to projects, and not just in this region, I think throughout uh, the countries in which we operate on a global basis. Do governments actually approach you directly or is it, or do the projects come to you? So it's a bit of both. It's mostly demand-driven in that we have investors who come to us who are aware of MEGA, who are concerned about political risks and want to get guarantees against those risks. Uh, so there is uh, a demand-driven element to the business uh, we, we support. But we do have governments that come to us um, and, and talk to us about whether or not we might be able to provide support for projects they'd like to see financed privately, where they realize investors may have this worry uh, and won't, won't invest unless there is the support of an institution uh, like, like MEGA. And I'd say historically, We've been very much um, an organization driven by the demands of our investors. But going forward, we see that um, there is going to be some utility in us actually working with governments to understand what their priorities are, what they'd like to see financed uh, with private capital, and, and then take those projects to our stable of investors rather than waiting for the investors to come to us. So it's more collaborative and it will achieve, help the governments achieve their development targets as well. Exactly. I mean, we, we believe that it is very important to sit down with governments and understand what their priorities are. And they're gonna have projects they wanna finance with public money. They're gonna have projects they wanna finance with private money to understand which ones they wanna have financed with private money uh, and then work with them to see whether or not we can bring investors into those projects. Uh, so it is uh, a collaborative effort, um, and it is more of us now bringing investors to projects as, as opposed to simply waiting for investors to come to us. Let's talk about the financing aspect of it. In the current scenario of rising interest rates, the poorer countries with lower of sovereign ratings would find it extremely financing extremely expensive and difficult for their projects, right? How was MEGA able to help? So 
You know, I like to think of MEGA as being counter-cyclical um, and MEGA actually not being um, short-term in its outlook, but long-term in its outlook. Uh, to give you a sense, for example, this year we issued about $6.4 billion in guarantees. It is the highest amount of guarantees we've issued in any given year. And this is despite the difficulties that you mentioned uh, that governments face um, by virtue of either having too much debt or, or because of rising interest rates. I think part of the reason for us being counter-cyclical is that, as I said, we look at investments on a 15 to 20 year horizon, right? But also um, we focus on instruments, particularly in the poorer countries that are not necessarily debt driven. So a lot of what we support are equity investments, right? Uh, where people are putting equity into projects for 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and uh, that's something that is not driven uh, by the immediate concerns around uh, debt sustainability or by the immediate concerns uh, having to do with uh, rising interest rates. But what happens, say, when a country, for example, Egypt, which recently had to go through this, gets its rating changed midway through a project? Uh, would this not change the risk profile as well as the cost of uh, raising for finance further? So once we've entered into a contract uh, with a client, uh, we stick to the terms of that contract, irrespective of what may be happening or may have happened since the signing of the contract, right? So your premiums are not going to change and the terms and conditions uh, do not change. Uh, of course, for new um, projects, we have to take into account the new circumstances. But, you know, once we're, we've partnered with you, we're in it with you for the long ride, and we're not going to change the terms simply by virtue of the fact that the, the, the situation in the country may have changed uh, during the course of the support we're providing to a particular project. But I have to ask you this, when you, this you spoke about the climate aspect of uh, financing, how do you price in climate risk that is uh, increasingly weighing on projects, particularly when you might have insufficient historical data on the cause and effect of projects on the environment? So when it comes to climate risk, we obviously use science-based approaches um, in assessing uh, the risk. And we also pull in local expertise to understand uh, the climate risks in any uh, given country, but we have climate, uh, we have models that we use for determining what the uh, what the price uh, is of the risk that a project faces from a climate standpoint. But I'd also say that our objective actually is to um, price the risks in such a way to incentivize our clients to look at a project to be sure that it is resilient uh, to climate, right? So uh, our objective is to be sure that clients understand there is a financial impact uh, from climate risk uh, and that addressing uh, the project's uh, climate resilience is very important from a financial standpoint. And we'll price the risk to incentivize them to take that analysis and to approach it in that, in that way. Without shortchanging the country that you're operating in any, in any way, right? No, we, we're not, never looking to shortchange the country in which we're operating. But, you know, when you look at a project, you've got to determine whether or not 
it faces climate risks uh, and what the cost is of actually making that project climate resilient, right? Uh, that is in the interest of the projects, which is in the interest of the country, particularly for projects that are designed to address development challenges. And it's in the interest of the investor, because at the end of the day, if they haven't actually made that project resilient, it's going to cost them more in the long run. So let me just follow up on this previous question. Would MEGA also take into consideration the fact that poorer countries, where the projects are located, are negligible contributors to global greenhouse gas emissions, while being among the most vulnerable to the impact of climate change? Certainly. I mean, I think we realize that the um, low carbon pathways of countries will differ, right? Uh, and not every country is going to have the same pathway uh, to uh, to low carbon. And many countries in which we operate ha are not major emitters of GHG emissions, are in need uh, of energy, uh, and that in the shorter term, they may actually be relying on fossil fuels in a way that other countries that are further along in their development uh, cannot and should not. Um, so that's the perspective we bring uh, to all of these projects. But I, I also would like to say that for us, we see um, an opportunity uh, to have countries leapfrog when it comes to these technologies, right? So uh, if we can bring a renewable energy solution to a country um, that's equally viable uh, and is cost efficient, we're going to emphasize that because in the longer run, that'll be better for the country. But we're fully cognizant of the fact that the low carbon pathways for countries will differ. Uh, and that so for some of the poorer countries, that may mean in the shorter term, uh, working with uh, technologies that are fossil fuel based. I understand you are in Dubai to hold a workshop for local investors. What is the contribution of private investors from the GCC to MEGA? So we have a number of long-standing uh, investor partners uh, from uh, this region, uh, investors with whom we've worked uh, around the world. Uh, one of them that comes to mind in the immediate is Matito, uh, with whom we've undertaken a water waste management um, uh, project in Jordan. We've also worked with them uh, in Rwanda. Uh, we've worked with uh, uh, Aqua, uh, also um, uh, I think it's a Saudi-based uh, Saudi-based investor. Um, and we've worked with a number of local local investors in their interest in investing outside of the GCC. Uh, and we are here, as you noted, to take advantage of a strong investor base, getting them to better understand who we are and what we do and see whether or not we can foster even more partnerships as we try to pull more investment into, into the developing world. Uh, we realize some investors may not be aware we exist, may be aware of political risks uh, and in partnership with, with us may actually be willing to undertake projects uh, in, in countries uh, that they otherwise um, may have avoided in the past. I think that's all we have time for, unfortunately. Thank you, Ethiopis, for this opportunity. Thank, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here.